Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's 930 in 716. I'm Susan Rose. Brian will be back with us later this week. Right now, it's clear. 33 degrees in Buffalo. And we'll see clouds, some sun today at a high near 47 this afternoon. Checking in with Aaron Mankowski coming up a few minutes from now. Here's what's happening. And we'll be updating the situation at Michigan State University Three dead, five injured in a mass shooting on campus last night. The gunman took his own life. A rescue and recovery from the Niagara Gorge on Monday. A woman and her five-year-old son fell about 90 feet from Goat Island, striking ice at the bottom of the gorge. First responders navigated through the difficult terrain, rescuing the child who was airlifted to Oshai Children's Hospital. The mother's body was recovered by a state police helicopter. Police say they do not believe the fall was an accident. There are lots of questions following a deadly shooting at Club Marcella on Michigan Avenue in the Cobblestone District this past weekend. WBEN's Max Ferry has the latest from Buffalo Police. Another shooting has occurred at Club Marcella. Last weekend, a gunman opened fire, shot and killed a 21-year-old man and injured two others. Buffalo Police Commissioner Joe Grimalia gave an update on Monday. Our uh, homicide investigators are, are diligently working, uh, making progress on the case. We are um, we are working leads. We're moving in a positive direction. Uh, we're scouring through a lot of video. And um, as I said, we're, 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 we're making progress. The club has been known for their extensive security protocols, which include metal detectors. Councilman for the district the club resides in, Mitch Nowakowski, says he's been in contact with the owners who have an idea on how the gun got into the club past security. There are metal detectors uh, as you enter the club. And you do get petted and wanted down, so the gunman did not bring the weapon in from the from the front of the club. But I was told that through another way around the perimeter, either through a patio or a fence, that the uh, gunman was able to to somehow either get or retrieve or be given um, a weapon. But I that's just that's just what was verbally told to me by the owners. The police commissioner says due to the forthcoming nature of the owners, the city doesn't have any plans to shut down the club. The club has been closed by the owners this week until Thursday night. I'm Max Ferry, WBEN.com News. All right, Max, thank you for that. Well, what was that in the sky over western New York last night? Many are buzzing about it. Uh, All through the night, they saw a light beam in the sky. It was visible in the 8 o'clock hour last night. Many describe it as a beam or a chain of lights. It was not a meteor or anything like that. It turns out it was Starlink, a satellite constellation launched by SpaceX that was passing over us. Officials say a significant amount of technology of that technology bay that was once suspended below the Chinese spy balloon that flew over the U.S. has now been lifted from the ocean floor, including 
all of the priority sensor and electronic pieces. This as the military continues to investigate three other flying objects brought down more recently. The U.S. is still working to recover debris from the three most recent objects. The White House says the objects had no communication signals and no maneuvering or propulsion capabilities. A senior U.S. official says there's little indication the objects were anything more than weather balloons or some kind of similar scientific craft. NORAD, which is responsible for air defenses, adjusted its radars after the Chinese spy balloon incident, possibly explaining why more unknown objects are now being detected. That's Aiki Jochi in Washington. There are m- new mask requirements in effect now for health care facilities. We get more on that from WBEN's Brayton Wilson. As of Sunday across New York State, COVID-19 related masking requirements were allowed to lapse with regards to staff and visitors in hospitals and other health care facilities. State health officials advised hospitals, nursing homes, treatment centers and other health care facilities to enact their own masking rules in accordance with guidance from the CDC. What CDC guidance says is that mask usage depends on transmission level and presently here in Erie County we're still at a high transmission level and test positivity rate and as a result CDC recommends mask use in healthcare facilities and presently that's what our healthcare facilities are doing. They're carrying on with mask use until cases drop to lower levels. That was Dr. Thomas Russo from the UB Jacobs School of Medicine. Although transmission rates and test positivity rates continue to remain at a higher level in Erie County, this decision from state officials did not come as a surprise for some experts. While we're just a couple of days removed from this change in policy in New York, experts like Dr. Nancy Nielsen from the Jacobs School of Medicine feels once the transmission and test positivity levels in Erie County come down to a safe enough level, it will be time to transition to living life with COVID-19, with healthcare facilities locally having their own jurisdiction in the matter. Well, I think we just simply be prepared with masks if we need them and if the facilities have some reason to require it they will say so when you get there but most everybody has masks now i keep some in my car so it's not a big deal and frankly anybody who is ill should either stay at home or if they have to go out they certainly should be masked more from medical experts on the state's health care masking decision is available for you online Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. All right, thank you, Brayton. As the Common Council meets this afternoon, a report on the handling of last December's blizzard will be released. WBEN's Tom Puckett is here with more on that. What does Common Council member Joe Golumpik expect to see in today's blizzard report? I think there will be some recommendations about how to respond to uh, snow events in the future. Golumbek says he wants to see pedestrian-friendly neighborhoods as quickly as possible after such a snowstorm. The district that I represent has about, in the Black Rock Riverside area, about a third to 40 percent of people who are uh, automobile-less. So these are people that do have to walk or take the bus. And so that's one thing that I'm expecting and hoping to see addressed. He says the culprits who don't take care of the sidewalks are the ones who don't live here. Ninety percent of the properties are absentee-owned properties, if not more. It's not my senior citizens who are owner-occupied. They're responsible homeowners. Um, You know, it's people that are probably, you know, own a property that live in New York City, that collect a rent, and they just don't care about the community, and that fries me. Hear more from Golombek online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. Tom, okay, thank you for that. A growing effort to get students more sleep. School districts are now considering 
later start times to boost student productivity and health. Ridgewood, New Jersey school board voted last night in favor of changing high school hours to start no earlier than 8.20 a.m. instead of the current start time of 7.45. Approval for implementation of the later start initiative at the Ridgewood High School. Citing health studies that say kids need nine hours of sleep a night. Even teachers support the change. Last year, California became the first state to mandate later school start times with middle and high school starting no earlier than 8 or 8.30 a.m. respectively. Massachusetts and New York are considering similar measures. That's Derek Dennis. The start of the West Coast trip for the Sabres ended with a loss to the L.A. Kings last night, 5-2. to two. Cousins and Krebs scoring for Buffalo. For the second straight game, the Sabres allowed four goals in the second period. Buffalo heads next to Anaheim tomorrow. And the dust has settled on the Super Bowl. And while Kansas City fans may still be reveling in the team's victory, the rest of the country is talking about the Rihanna halftime show. The pop star sat down with Michael Strahan on Good Morning America a few days before the show talking about one big song that wasn't in the Super Bowl set list the Oscar-nominated Lift Me Up. Rihanna said she was inspired to write that song after seeing the early version of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. The sense of motherhood and how much strength that embodies, right? I felt that when I watched the film. All right, so there is Rihanna. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Sunny skies and light winds for your Valentine's Day. Temperatures topping out in the upper 40s. For tonight, uh, clouds will increase. Winds will increase as well. Early lows near 40, but temperatures actually rise overnight on Wednesday. Windy and mild. Temperatures in the upper 50s, close to 60 degrees. A few rain showers early in the day. Better chance for rain on Thursday with highs near 50. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. We welcome Ed Cosgrove to WBEN this morning, former Erie County District Attorney for a number of years. Ed has his, currently has a law practice in downtown Buffalo. And Ed, it's great to hear it from you again. Thank you. Ed, as we are preparing for the sentencing tomorrow of the top shooter, we're reminded of another crime spree that terrorized Buffalo. This was the 22 caliber killer. You were the district attorney at that time. Remind us of that crime spree back in 1980. Well, it was uh, it was a, 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 a very sad and, and difficult set of circumstances. Uh, Joseph Christopher, a, a young man from from the Buffalo from Buffalo, uh, started uh, on September the fifth, 1980. Uh, with a 22 caliber rifle, and he uh, assaulted and killed 12 out of 19 victims. And um, it was it was very similar to what happened at Topps Market this past uh, this past year. In that uh, he he did this because of racist reasons that one could not really understand. And it was a very 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 difficult time for this whole community. I was the district attorney, and as a former as a former FBI agent and as a former district attorney, I was able to uh, assemble a, uh, a a a a group of of, of police, uh, state troopers, local police, FBI agents, and we were able to uh, finally uh, solve and and find out who was responsible for this. Uh, all these killings, uh, and it was, it was very difficult. The, the, uh, the, 
the the black community was very very upset and with good reason as to why this was happening and, and as to why it took so long to solve. Of course, uh, in my view, uh, it was it was it was solved probably sooner than we would could have expected, because sometimes these things, uh, particularly this this type of, uh, of of criminal activity, was such that uh, uh, it, was, it would not be easy to solve with respect to what happened during the killings of the two cab drivers and then subsequently the uh, the uh, the other black gentleman. You know, Ed. Part of our audience has no knowledge or, or even memory of this, um, mm-hmm. you know, because it happened 43 years ago. Yes, but it's an right. important part of of Buffalo's history, you know, an unfortunate part yes. of it. But how long did it take to capture Joseph Christopher? If I remember right, I mean, this was going on for weeks. Well, it went on for weeks. Uh, we, we got a call from Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, and uh, uh, in the early spring of, uh, of 1981, uh, in which we were, where we were told that uh, there was somebody making uh, making remarks at, while in the um, the brig or the jail at, at Fort Benning, uh, a soldier about. Uh, his uh, assaulting black men, and we we immediately. Uh, we're told about it. We acted upon it, and we brought him back to Buffalo, and uh, we went over to his mother's house after we identified who he was. And uh, I remember specifically going up to his mother and knocking on the door of their home and telling her that I and the state police officers were going to um, search her house. And uh, it, was, it was not very pleasant. This was a, this was a, a very nice lady. Uh, she, she, of course, wasn't responsible for the actions of the, the schizophrenic actions of her son. And I recall that uh, uh, we did search her house, and we found uh, the remnants of, uh, of uh, the use of, uh, of a 20 caliber rifle that uh, connected us with. Uh, it being used down in, at a hunting camp in in Chautauqua County, as I recall, not Cataraugus, but I think it was Chautauqua County, and we put that all together, and uh, we we then understood that we had enough evidence to charge him with uh, the killings. Uh, we did we did uh, indict him and charge him with uh, three three of the killings because of the and because of the sensitivity. And because of my concern for the, the mental and physical well-being of the families involved, the people that lost all these wonderful gentlemen, uh, I didn't want to uh, keep bringing him to court and, and charging him with the, with the murders. So we sent him to prison, and he died there on, on March the 4th, 1993. Uh, it was a terrible time in Buffalo. There, uh, people were saying that the Ku Klux Klan was here in Buffalo and that the police couldn't do their job and that the district attorney couldn't do his job, and I was the district attorney, and of course I tried to do my job, and actually it worked out quite well. Not well for the victims, as of course, no. but well for, for the community. We, we solved it without the help of, of, uh, of, of anyone else. You know, I was thinking that technology wasn't what it is today. I mean, there's there was no mm-hmm. DNA back then or anything like that, you know, from right. any of these That's crime right. shows. But, but it was really his bragging, speaking out mentioning what he did that that got him caught uh, and that's what you hope for because we sent higher we sent the word out throughout the world really i can recall that uh, during that time from september 
1980 through the early early spring of 1981, that I was probably interviewed uh, six or seven or eight times a week by by local uh, local journalists and and and, uh, and uh, others from around the country. I recall that I was interviewed by journalists from Australia and Europe. It was a big concern throughout the United States, and and uh, of course. During that time, there was also some horrific crimes being committed uh, by someone in Atlanta, Georgia, with respect to black children. I don't know if you know about that, but that was also going on at that time, similar to what were what was happening uh, uh, this past this past April at Taps Market, but also certainly uh, uh, similar to what was down in, uh, in Atlanta at that time. Does this case, the, the Joseph Christopher 22 caliber killer case, does that kind of haunt you today with the sentencing coming up tomorrow of Peyton Genderin? Well, well any unfortunate deaths uh, haunt me. I, we're, all, we're all made in the image and likeness of God, and we all, we, all, we all have to try to do our very best in life. And uh, certainly those, the victims of Joseph Christopher did not deserve, nor did their families ever deserve what happened to them. That's for sure. Well, Ed, nice visiting with you today on on very, you know, less than nice topic, but I appreciate your thoughts. We appreciate you coming on. Yes, let's let's pray for everyone, huh? All right. Ed, thank you. He was a a miserable wretch, that that poor fellow. And we we just, we have to find a way to not have it happen again, I guess. Right. Ed, thank you very much. Ed Cosgrove former Erie County District Attorney, former FBI, here on WBEN with Ed Cosgrove Law Firm. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.